Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm so good. Great to be here. How are you? Really good. Date night. Date night. Date night in the house. Date night downstairs. We don't go anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of not going anywhere, we got so much to talk about in this episode. What episode is this? 67? Yes. Uh-huh. Episode 67 of The Long Finish. Thank you to all of you out there joining us for this very fun episode, we hope. I'm here with my wife, Catherine. No baby tonight. No baby. This is the first time we are doing it without the baby, trying to get into a routine here, a rhythm of putting him down instead of cuddling him all night, which is going okay. And he's in his bassinet now. Fingers crossed on how that goes the rest of the night. We'll keep you posted. Got a great one for tonight. For those of you who are in the throes of summer, out there uh, braving the heat in a lot of America, but um, talking things for outdoor gatherings, barbecues, right, Catherine? Perfect for barbecues. This is the Torre de Beati. It's Cerasuolo di Abruzzo. That's from Abruzzo in Italy, and it's vintage 2020. It's the Rosé. Delicious wine. Just came on by the glass at Esther's, selected by our sommelier, Zaytuna Custo. I'm a huge fan of Cerasuolo because, as you know, one of my predictions for this year, last year in general, is darker rosés. And this is a dark rosé. It's so perfect for barbecue. I was just going to bring that up, but you beat me to it. The prognostications for Catherine's wines and how they're going to do in 2021. One of your prognostications was past two years, actually, darker colored rosés. And it's happening. People are becoming way more open with their rosés. That's cool. Yeah. There's so many rosés out there that people are less prejudiced about what color it is or, you know, if it's dry, they're like, oh, most of the time it's dry. Yep. Most of the time it is. And I mentioned outdoor gatherings, but we are getting some announcements here in California that we're going back to indoor use of masks in public places. So it's going to be a lot more outdoor opportunities to hang out. We gave it a run, California. We gave it a run with indoor, <laughs> indoor trials in restaurants and other retail spaces, but hopefully this will blow over rather quickly. This is a reminder to go out and get vaccinated if you haven't already. Hopefully we'll get through this soon, but outdoor gatherings, barbecues, it's summer. It's what you do anyway. Yeah, exactly. And now with all this expanded outdoor dining, who wants to sit inside anyway? That's a great point. We have breaking news at Esther's. We are putting some real focus into the expansion of our patio. Yeah. So, you know, probably in lots of parts of the country, but especially in LA, there's all this this street dining and some people have invested, some restaurants have invested in making it look super nice with like a deck and a little like wall around it. And our general manager, Vi, was like, I really think we should do that. Because right now it's just like police gates around three parking spots. It's just caution tape with like a chalk <laughs> yeah. outline of two um, Anyway, she's right. We should do it because it's nice to have that Parisian outdoor vibe and make it really feel part of the patio. And people like sitting out there. And they're going to like it even more when they're not surrounded by 
police fences. Well, it's an inspiration that we mentioned way back in the first episode. Why do we dream of esters? We went to Europe and we just loved the vibe of being outside and having, a, you always say, having being able to have a wine, a glass of wine, bottled wine at any time of day. That was the inspiration. So now we're just dipping uh, even further into, leaning into that inspiration as the police come to get us for being away from our kids for too long. They're just upstairs, people. (laughs) They're just upstairs. So there's that. That's the good news that's happening with Esther's, and hopefully we went out last night. We should probably mention this. This is like a Regis and uh, Kelly moment. We went out last (laughs) night. We had a great time at Roberta's Pizza, which is a transplant from from Brooklyn, New York, out here in Culver City, and we were just basically just talking to the the waitstaff, the service team, about what we're going to do with uh, indoor dining. Who knows what's going to happen, but I really don't think they're going to take outdoor dining away. But who knows? Who knows? You know, hopefully, like, we just get the situation under control in the next, you know, couple years. That'd be good. We'll figure it out. But (laughs) it doesn't stop you from being able to walk into a, a wine shop or a store grabbing some wine and taking it to an event that you're having. So we'll look into this wine in a second, but uh, I do want to ask you, Catherine, how are we feeling about what we're doing at home as parents? Everything good? You know, it's been a little bit crazy this week, but for good reason, because our middle child, who is two and a half, two and eight months, started preschool this week. It's a huge win. Huge. This is a huge win. If, if I was a good enough pr- producer to do like a, a sound like, I mean, I wish I like could you know automate that, but I'm manual. I'm, I'm a manual person. Or put uh, in like rounds of applause. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, cheer smart. a crowd cheering. Yay! I don't, I don't have any of that. I'm not a radio like morning DJ. Well, it's a huge moment in our life, though. It is to the, to really, the really big. Okay, first of all, it's really big because he is super clingy and wants to be with us, the two of us, either one of us, all the time. And it's just hard for him to let go. And he didn't get the benefit of being in little kid classes and, you know, having more interaction with other kids because of the pandemic. So this is a really big deal. And it was kind of hard for him the first half of the week. And today, apparently, he didn't have any tears when he left you. So that was really great. The other awesome reason that he's going to school is that that's like three hours of time that two of the three children are occupied in a safe happy place being entertained and playing and we can go about our lives and like pay some bills and do the dishes work like do a few things oh yeah and also take care of the baby take care of the baby i actually went and hit golf balls today because the preschool is just far enough away that it makes it kind of annoying to come home that's my excuse Ah, oh, geez, I don't sure. want to drive five miles. I'm going to drive three miles to this this golf range. Right. <laughs> but it's true. It's the first time I can think of since we've had kids where we had like a three hour window to ourselves. You do have a baby, but I I, I also have a child. You, but I did not. I did not during yeah. that time. <laughs> and I, the first day we did this, I didn't even know what to do with myself. It's almost like I was a college kid. You know, you have like a 8 a.m. class and you have like a one at two, which you'd never try to schedule. We always, you know, everyone tries to schedule better than that. But if you, you had, you got stuck with a class early and a class late, you do the early class and you just come home and sleep for two hours. It's basically what I wanted to do. Did you? No, I did not. Just sat I felt here. too guilty. So I just <laughs> sat there and looked at my phone. <laughs> it's a 2021 20, version of being in college. You don't sleep. You just look at your phone. Great use of time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, let's make better use of our time and let's talk about the wine that we have tonight. I will say this. We only select the best wines for this podcast. If we're going to drink a bottle of wine together, we want it to be killer. And this 
is part of that list. This is a delicious wine. I'm already enjoying it. I can't wait to continue to enjoy it through the night. But let's learn a little bit more about this wine. Catherine, can you remind everyone what we're drinking? Yes. So this is the Torre de Beati. That's the name of the producer. It's the Rosé. And the region it's from is Cirasuolo di Abruzzo in Abruzzo. And that's in Italy. Vintage 2020. And Abruzzo is in central Italy, the western border of this region is 31 miles from Rome. So it's not that far. You know, you can fly into Rome, you can drive there, and you first hit on that western border of the Apennine Mountains. And then you drive through the mountains and in the mountains, then you go through a lot of hilly, hilly area, and then you get to the Adriatic Sea. So in between the sea and the Apennine Mountains, there are three national parks. There are tons of like beautiful little medieval villages and rolling hills of vineyards. It's not that popular like tourist wise. So it's a great place to travel. It's a little bit deserted. It's not expensive. The reason I started getting into Abruzzo, I mean, of course, I've always loved the wines, but it was curious about the region. I signed up for some email list that gives me like real estate for um, places in Europe <laughs> and, I, and I got some like I look at this like little house and you know why are you signing it, up for it, this it, <laughs> we, we're living in a two bedroom apartment three months ago and you wanted to buy some property and yeah <laughs> it's like unbelievably affordable it was like forty thousand dollars for this little like seaside house wow. yeah in abruzzo and during the worst months of the pandemic yeah, that's, that's why italy absolutely was, what i was but thinking also italy of. was completely shut down i'm sure this this little house on the seaside <laughs> would have been just fine okay but anyway so you know i was dreaming of this also, my favorite like getaway movie is Under the Tuscan Sun. So this is not Tuscany, but you know, I'm always thinking about how I'm going to move to Italy at some point. Anyway, Abruzzo, great place to travel, great wines. The main red grape is Multipulciano. The main white grapes are Pecorino and Trebbiano. And Multipulciano is a dark-skinned, rustic grape. It's got, usually it has heavier tannins, heavy, higher acidity, medium alcohol, and it makes great pizza wines and that can make some serious structured wines. Probably the most famous producer in Abruzzo is Emidio Pepe, but Valentini is also really famous as well and is right next to this guy. Pretty cool. The name of the producer is Fausto Albanesi, and he's in Loreto Apuntino, so it's right next to the mountains. He makes a lot of Multipicciano, he makes some Pecorino, and he makes this beautiful Cherasuolo di Abruzzo. Cherasuolo means cherry, and Cherasuolo di Abruzzo is a DOC. It's a designated region that was founded in 2010. So, pretty recently actually and the DOC is four wines that they can come from four different provinces within Abruzzo but it's all for these lighter rosé-like Multipuccianos so that don't have a lot of contact with the skins. They're this beautiful dark reddish cherryish color. So this is 100% Multipuciano and 50% of the grapes are macerated cold with the skins to just give that enough color and then they're pressed. Then those grapes go on to make a Multipuciano. So it's Sanye to bleed 
that's the method. And then 50% of the multiple Chiano grapes are treated like a white wine where they have no contact with the skins and they're just impressed into juice immediately. So the winemaker really finds that this combination gives the freshness and the seriousness that he wants from this wine. It is a rosé that could be enjoyed in winter, in springtime, in summer, but it does have that dark magenta color, cherry-like. It's super, super pretty. It's coming from 100% organic fruit, organic vineyards. And Fausto has 17 hectares. He inherited this estate from his father-in-law. So he and his wife do this together. His father-in-law planted a lot of the vines, but sold them off. And Fausto has grown this state to 17 hectares and it's all organic. One big thing in Abruzzo is that because you have the mountains and the ocean, you have these big temperature shifts. So nighttime is really cold and day is really hot. We call these diurnal shifts in wine speak. And that's really big deal because if especially if you're farming organically, that cool air, that wind coming down from the mountains can swipe out any fungus or like stuff that you don't want growing in your vineyard. And also it preserves a lot of the acidity and the freshness while the grapes are still getting ripe during the day. Let's taste this together. Strawberry, cherry, pomegranate. Oh, it's just like so red fruited. You know, but it's also got a little spice to it. Maybe blood orange. It's got this little bit of Amaro thing. Reminds me of Amaro. The palate is a little bit creamy, but it's mineral as well. It's got great acidity. It's definitely, you know, a fuller rosé, but that hint of spice and almost even like a red pepper or something. It's savory and could go with food very easily, but also is enjoyable right now without food. I think the color is especially beautiful. How would you describe the color? I, I'm trying to think. I said magenta. It is so not magenta. Um, It's like cherry juice. I mean, like it looks like a cherry juice, you know? It's like there's this. Like, there's like a glimmer of uh, something in it. It's, it's almost like a, it's like red and pink at the same time. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, sometimes we call wines ruby in color. That's like in, in wine speak. But this is a, looks like a ruby, like a gem of a ruby, not not ruby for wine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. It's gorgeous. You and I flew into Rome. Most A lot of people fly into Rome, I think, when they go to Italy. I'm, I don't know. What for that, sure. I don't know what the average is, but it feels like that's a very popular starting point. We did not go to this area. We drove straight to... Tuscany. Tuscany, that's correct. But you got to think about this. A place that is 31 miles from Rome and creates delicious wine, That's that seems like a destination point for sure. Definitely. It just doesn't have that like big city that I think is the big draw with you know, some special museum or it doesn't have that like food center. But the food is amazing. The towns are amazing. It's just a little bit more provincial. It's a little bit smaller. So I have a wine question that I should know but I want everyone to know, <laughs> and, then, and I'll be the scapegoat. You talk about maceration, and you talk about pressing of wines. Can you talk about what those two differences in technique create for the wine? Maceration is when the grapes are, the skins are like mixing around with the juice. It's macerating, 
right? Does that make sense? And how does that work? Like, what what does that machine look like that does it? Is it just something that like? Well, it's different for every winery. I mean, you don't even have to. It doesn't have to have a machine necessarily. It's done by hand a lot. Of it times. could it could be be natural, but it's mm-hmm. like so the juice is sitting with the skins. Oh, gotcha. Essentially, that's macerating. And the press is just literally the skins are withheld. The press, the, the pressing is, yeah, exactly right. This, the grapes, the skins are literally pressed so that the juice runs out. Uh, now, you do need an apparatus for that. That's what but I figured. There are very, various different kinds of presses. Of course, that's what I figured, but I just wanted everyone else to know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, here's the, here's the tricky thing, though, is the wine thingy. Multiple Chiano, right? Is it a grape? Is it a region? Now, we already know because I've told you it's a great... It's a region. But it's a region, too. Yeah. However... However, Stephen A. Smith talking wine. <laughs> However... The region Vino Nobile di Montepulciano is in Tuscany. Oh, my And goodness. the city is Montepulciano. And the grape in that wine is... Sangiovese. Sangiovese. That's what I thought. So it's, it's in, very interesting. So confusing. And in Abruzzo, the grape is Montepulciano. But Montepulciano is all over Italy. It's the second most planted red grape in Italy. That's like from back to episode two, I think, the asterisk to your saying that in old world wines, the grapes are from the region, not the names of the grape. Right, right. You're no, you get to know the names of the region yeah. instead of the grape variety. Yeah. But yeah. This, is, this is the asterisk. Asterisk. Well, no, this is why Italy is so hard because <laughs> it is a region and it's a grape and they're totally different. They don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> oh, I'm head spinning. Probably need more wine. Um, just a map. You just yeah, need a just map. Just a map. Yeah, maybe that's, we'll, we'll put that on Instagram. We'll put on a map of the wine country w- in which we're discussing tonight and all the confusion. Clarify it all at the long finish on Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. Let's talk about food pairings. For this wine, what are you thinking? It feels like it goes with a lot of stuff. For sure. I mean, I was saying barbecue earlier tonight. It would go great with, I think, like lots of spicy things like carne asada, tacos, or spicy Indian food, I feel like would be awesome with this. You could also just enjoy it with pork ribs on the grill. Something smoky would be great with this. A smoked duck. It is a super versatile wine. I would enjoy this also right now with just like some delicious pecorino cheese. Delicious. Yeah. Where can our listeners go and grab this wine? You mentioned that it's by the glass and for retail at Esther's. Other places where they could go find this wine or another wine from this region? I mean, look for wines from Abruzzo. Look for Multipluciano di Abruzzo. You're going to find that in a lot of wine stores. You can find a more inexpensive one that's great for pizza. You can find a super serious one that's more structured. A medio pepe will cost you a lot of money, but there's other great ones too. And there's really good affordable ones. Pecorino and Trebbiano from Abruzzo are great as well. This is, as I mentioned, Cirasuolo di Abruzzo. So ask for it. Go to a wine store that you know has a great Italian section and ask for it. Cherasuolo is one of the coolest words that you can say. If you walk into a wine store and say, can I see your Cherasuolo, you automatically sound amazing. You do. I mean, I had I remember the first time seeing this region and being like, okay, how do I say that? And um, asking Ferdy, who was the sommelier at Rastakinian for a long time, 
Can you just record saying this and then he's from Italy. send it to me? Yeah, he's from Naples. My last question to you is, what kind of wine drinker would you direct towards this wine? Certainly, if you're into rosés and you want to try a darker rosé, this is it. If you like lighter reds, I feel like this would be a good choice because it's a rosé, but it has a lot of qualities of red wine as well because it's a little bit richer rosé and more serious. Chilled reds. Yeah, great. Really, anyone. This wine's for anyone. Anyone. This wine would be perfect at a wedding. Be great. Which I will get to in a minute. Anything else on this wine? It's delicious, right? Just go out and grab it. Look for it. Uh, we'll put. Come we'll, have it by the glass at Esther's. Have it at Esther's. We'll put a picture on Instagram. Wherever you're living, uh, whether it's Virginia, Texas, Florida, Montana, look at our Instagram at Long Finish and go and find it for yourself. Yum. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go ahead and go first. This past week, I actually went to two weddings because everyone's kind of packing in their wedding season after 2020. And it was a blast. It was a blast to see so many groups of friends. Did fly for the first time in 20 months up to Santa Rosa, California, which is basically Sonoma area. You want to talk about diurnal. You really see diurnal life if you're a, a you know a citizen of the United States. Living in Sonoma, you can see why wine is you know so thriving over there because it is it was like ninety seven during the day, but as soon as it gets to the evening, it's like sixty five. It gets cold in Sonoma, but I did go and visit. I'm not really the biggest peanuts fan in the world, but Charles Schultz is the creator of peanuts. Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, and the whole peppermint patty, Schroeder, the whole team. And I went to a museum that was built for him and talked about his history as a creator. And it was really interesting. Hard not to be inspired by someone who made his living off of animating young children and, and making them funny. I mean, I, I uh, asked a ton of questions. You and I are both fans of the music that comes through the animated shows of Charlie Brown and Vince Guaraldi. So I learned about their relationship. He's He died in 2000, but made a, made this comic strip, for, for better or for worse, for 45 years. You know, so pretty inspired by watching someone get up every day, go to his office, doodle, and then draw and basically make a joke every day. As a person who's written some jokes in his life, like that's very inspiring. So that was really cool to watch, uh, to learn about his process, to learn about what his inspirations were, to learn that he was a big sports fan. He built, uh, in Sonoma, he built an ice skating rink right next door where people played hockey, big hockey fan. Yeah. So that was really, really inspiring. To, so he called himself Sparky since I think he was like, I don't know, under two. Also named after an animated figure from when he grew up. Charles Schultz, creator of Peanuts, inspiration of the week for me. Catherine, what do you have? Well, first of all, I just have to make a huge shout out to my dad, Jeff Weil, who came to help me last week while you were going to these multiple weddings because I would not have made it without him. Thank you, dad for coming to help me. My inspiration this week is a podcast that I've enjoyed for a long time that went dark a little bit last year and is now back and thriving. It's the Slow Home Podcast. It's done by Brooke McClary and her husband, and she's an author of two books, one called Slow, one called Care. Care just came out, and she's had this podcast for years. I mean, there's something close 375 episodes or something crazy. Anyway, I've enjoyed it for years. I'm especially enjoying it now that it's back. It's all about making choices for a slower life. Less grind, more mindfulness, all the good stuff. Anyway, I love this podcast and I was listening to it today and was super inspired. 
All right, that's it. That's it for episode 67 of The Long Finish. Episode 67 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, it would mean the world to us and our three kids. It would be a great early birthday gift to our middle child. If you were to review the show, rate it, and subscribe to it. I know he really checks on that every day. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Y. Coker on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find The Long Finish on Instagram and Facebook. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks again for listening to the show. We should have a couple more episodes this summer. Hoping to get an interview or two in there as well, and as our life actually gets some routine. This is a huge step for you and me, Catherine. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get this going, get back to some routine. So stay tuned for some more great episodes in the near future. Until then, have a great week and happy drinking. Ciao.